but we're going to pray and ask for God to help me and all of us. Would you join me? Thanks, Heavenly Father, that this is a great day of good news that is uh, something that does and can and uh, has changed many of our lives now and forever. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He's risen. And so, Lord, we pray that you might help me to speak clearly so that people and we all understand how good this good news is, how much it can change our lives. Please open our ears, our minds, our hearts. Help us to focus, to concentrate. Uh, Lord, I pray that you might change us by your spirit. Help us to believe what we hear and obey our Lord Jesus. Amen. Have the first slide up, please. Sally Graham was an alcoholic, a heroin and cocaine user and dealer who'd spent time in prison. And one night in desperation, she told God if there was one, he had to do something or else she would kill her husband. The next morning, hoping to secure some heroin to murder her abusive husband with a deliberate overdose, Sally bumped into a former colleague who was a pretty harsh junkie. Uh, He was now a Christian. He urged her to go to church. Sally said right at that moment, I knew God was real. He'd answered my prayer in a way that I understood. She went home and she confessed to her husband, Max. Following Sunday, she went to church. Sunday after that, she got baptised. Max went with her and was baptised after that. Their lifestyle was entrenched and things were hard to change, but they shifted into a new gear and a process of gradual transformation began. She says, I started reading the Bible and I came to believe that God had things to say about my own life. Sally's life was totally changed and she became uh, someone who worked with prison fellowship. What's my point? My point is, if you truly believe something, it will change you and you will act on it. Sally came to believe that God was truly real and she acted on it. The the question is, though, if, if Jesus is risen, then so what? If you truly believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, how will that change you? How will you respond My first of three points is that Jesus has risen. Let's look together at this eyewitness account at the end of Matthew's Gospel, his biography of Jesus. In verse 1, it's very early Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, they return to the tomb. As we heard from our reading, uh, chapter 27 tells us that, that, uh, that the women had watched Jesus suffer and die on the cross. And in verse 61, they'd been at the tomb on Friday evening when Jesus' body was placed in it. So they didn't go to the wrong tomb on Sunday, as some people suggest. We're told an angel from the Lord came down to earth, causing a violent earthquake and rolled back the stone. And the guards who were posted, they got freaked. They became like dead men, scared out of their wits. They probably went pale and froze with fear. Soon after, they scurry back to the priests, as verse 11 says. However, they were not the ones the angel spoke to. The women have arrived and the angel speaks to them. Luke's gospel tells us it was actually inside the tomb that the angel spoke to them. 
And now when we piece together the information from the four gospel eyewitness accounts, we realise that when the women saw the tomb open, Mary Magdalene ran back to tell Peter and John. And while Mary was gone, the other women went in and they were met by a shining angel who announces to them that Jesus is not here for he has risen just as he said. This angel, this messenger from God says, Jesus has risen. Once when I was speaking to some grade sixes about this, about Jesus rising, they thought that I meant that Jesus came back from the dead only to die again later. Like someone who's had a heart attack, been dead for a few minutes, and then been resuscitated. But when we speak of Jesus being raised, we mean he came back from the dead never to die again. The Bible says that after 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven. He's with God the Father. He's alive now in heaven. Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. Please understand too that his resurrection was a bodily one. In verse 9, he has feet that could be clasped, grabbed. It's not that his soul has risen and his ghost is appearing to people. No. For Jews, resurrection meant a bodily body being raised. Besides, Jesus' body was not in the tomb. Neither was his body stolen or moved. Despite the story the Jewish leaders circulate through the bribed guards, verse 15, the body was not stolen. Coming back to the women in verse 8, they, they hurry away from the tomb, feeling blown away by what's happened. Suddenly, Jesus meets them. Now, now, in John chapter 20, it makes clear that Jesus had just earlier appeared to Mary Magdalene. She's arrived back at the tomb on the heels of Peter and John and the other women are heading off to see the other disciples. So here in verse 9, Jesus meets and greets the other women who are on the road. The resurrected Jesus was first witnessed by women. And please don't miss the astounding significance of this. In Jewish and Greek societies, women counted for little. They were nobodies, sometimes wrongly viewed as property. They were forbidden from being witnesses in a court of law. But God chose them to be the first witnesses to the greatest miracle in history. This is the supreme irony For when God performs his greatest act since the creation of the world in raising his son from the dead, it's testified to by the lips of those who were usually discounted. It's magnificent. Magnificent. Doesn't it validate the worth of women in God's mind? Doesn't it validate the truth of Jesus' resurrection? For if Jesus' followers were faking the story that he was alive and making it up, they wouldn't have written it with women as the first witnesses. Jesus appeared first to the women 
And then as he said he would in verse 10, he appears to his disciples. Verse 17. And Matthew who writes, he was one of them. The point is Jesus has risen. And I ask you this morning, do you believe it? Many people like Jews believe that Jesus died, but he didn't rise. Most Muslims believe that he didn't die or rise from the dead. And I suggest that most Australians don't care or think that it matters to them. But the Bible says that Jesus died and was forsaken and rejected by God because we had rejected God and he was suffering our judgments. And then he rose from the dead, smashing death so that all who trust in him could have life forever. Not hell forever, but heaven forever. And so Aussies should care. And it does matter. To believe in Jesus, to be a Christian, is to be absolutely convinced that Jesus rose from the dead for real. And for everyone who doesn't believe that or who doesn't think it matters... The story of Easter will be their condemnation. Not a nice time of swapping chocolate. So do you believe that Jesus is risen and living? If you've decided today that you do believe that, you want to investigate it more, or you just still have questions, I'd love you to come and talk with me after. In Matthew 28, Jesus being risen leads to two responses. Our next point, the first response is worship. Verse 9, when Jesus meets the women on the road, what is their first response? They come to him, they clasp his feet and worship him. When met by the risen Lord Jesus, they fall at his feet and worship him. The word for worship, it means to fall down before. But it's not just about a body position, it's an attitude of heart, an attitude of submission. It's about giving honour and reverence and respect to the one you worship. And the women here, they, they do all of these things. They've fallen at his feet because they submit to him and honour him and revere him. And when the 11 disciples of Jesus are met by the risen Christ, what's their response? They worshipped him. Verse 17 does say that some doubted. It may be because others, in addition to the 11 disciples, were present and they doubted it really was him, but it more likely means that some hesitated. It's not saying that they were unbelieving and faithless, but rather they, there were some who were uncertain and they hesitated. When Thomas personally witnessed the risen Christ. A week later from Easter Sunday, what did he say to Jesus in John chapter 20? Underlined there, he said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. You see, witnessing the Lord Jesus risen with a new and glorious resurrection body, it moves people, moves people who know and trust him to, to worship him. And it's only right for him to be worshipped. It's only right for him to accept worship because Jesus is God. 
We, we may describe worship as a, an upward-focused activity because worship is directed to God and his Son in heaven, his Son Jesus. And if these first eyewitnesses saw the risen Jesus and worshipped him, isn't it right for us to worship him too? I mean, in Revelation chapter 5, it says that there are thousands upon thousands of angels who say, worthy is the Lamb, Jesus, who was slain to receive honour, glory, praise. And the living creatures, they worshipped him. When we know and believe that Jesus is risen, he is Lord, we should worship him too. In our heads, in our hearts, we should acknowledge that Jesus is God, the living Lord. Verse 18, he is the one with all authority. He's the one that you and I should bow before. I'm always unsettled, offended really, when footy fans bow before a great football player. For me, only the creator and saviour God deserves that. I ask you, have you bowed before? Have you submitted to Jesus as Lord because he's worthy of your allegiance, your trust, total commitments? Have you submitted to Jesus who deserves to be the most important one in your life? Remember, worship isn't something you merely do for an an hour at church on a Sunday. It's a life. It's it's what you do with your whole life. Ten years ago at the last church I served, someone who I'll call Lewis became a follower of Jesus. Lewis knew he'd sinned and rejected God in his life and he put his trust in Jesus for the first time for the forgiveness of his sins and he committed to follow Christ as Lord and his whole life changed He wanted to worship Jesus with all of his life. He looked at his money differently and he wanted to be generous. He wanted to give to the church and to mission so that others could come to know and be saved by Jesus too. He wanted to do what Jesus commanded in the Bible. He wanted to be kind to difficult people at work, to respect his parents, to love his new wife, and then when he had kids, to teach them to know and follow Jesus too. Christ took priority in his life over all other things. Christ changed what Lewis lived for. Like he did for Sally Graham, the woman I mentioned at the start, whose addiction, murderous hate, hopelessness and God-rejecting life was slowly changed into one where she loved her husband and her kids and wanted to serve God with her all. Is that you? If you trust in Jesus, I ask, are you, are you worshipping him? Not just singing his praise this Easter Sunday, but honouring him with all of your life so that what he says, you do. Is there something that needs to change in your life? For when we bow before him in our hearts, we will do what he says. And one thing Jesus says is in our next point, the second response 
to the risen Jesus, telling others. I'm speaking here to all of us who already know and worship Jesus. And going and telling others is a repeated idea, a key theme in this passage. Look at verse 7. The angel instructs the women to go and tell Jesus' disciples he's risen, going ahead of them into Galilee. In verse 10, Jesus meets the women. Jesus does, and he says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And then verse 13 to 15, the chief priests, the elders, they bribe the guards to tell others that Jesus did not rise, but his body was stolen. So they've been instructed to tell a lie. 25 years later, Matthew is writing this gospel we read, and he says, the Jews to this day have been circulating this lie. And yet in the face of lies and deceit and ignorance, Jesus wants them to tell the truth. We're to tell the truth about Jesus to others. That's what he says in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is risen. He's soon departing. He wants them to tell the good news about him to the world. And them telling others, us telling others, actually flows from our worship of him. If you genuinely honour Jesus and you seek to live for him, then it will result in evangelism. It will just be part of who you are. If you will, if you will, for you will, if, you've, if you're worshipping Jesus, you will want others to worship Jesus too. For their sake, for their salvation and for the glory of Christ. For if we are filled with wonder, love and praise, we'll be inspired to tell others. The word make disciples in the original language, it means to teach or train someone and cause them to become a pupil, a follower of another person, in this case a follower of Jesus. God is choosing to bring people into relationship with him as we tell them about Jesus. Maybe that could be through our testimony. My testimony, when I share it with others, often begins with me saying, I grew up going to church and hearing about Jesus, and I tried to be a good person. But as a teenager, me being good and nice most of the time, it just resulted in me looking down on others and thinking that I was better than others. At uni, though, I heard the good news of Jesus clearly for the first time, and I came to believe that my selfishness, my pride, my self-righteousness was sin. And I could never be good enough for God, and none of us can. But Jesus died to take the punishment for me and my selfishness and my sin and then he came back from the dead so that everyone who trusts in him can have forgiveness and life forever with God. And I might finish by asking the other person I'm speaking with, what have you heard about Jesus before? 
If Jesus has saved you, brothers and sisters, then you have a story to tell. You have a wonderful story to tell. Friends, Jesus is the risen Lord that we should submit to. He's the once dead, now living Saviour that we should trust him, trust in because he can give us forgiveness and life, peace, peace with God now, a place in heaven with him forever. And so maybe when you're back at work on Tuesday or you're chatting with a friend this week, and I don't know if you will be on a June buggy this week, but I thought that would be fun to do uh, in the next few days. But whenever you're chatting with your friends, okay, maybe you could still ask what they did over Easter. And maybe you could ask why they think that Australians still celebrate Easter. And after you've listened well, maybe you could share why Easter matters to you. Jesus is alive. He's the Lord with all authority. It's the good news that can save us, can save others, which changes people. But not only does Jesus want us to tell others about him, he also wants us to speak the truth to one another about him. So people start out as being followers of Jesus by being baptised, as he says. And then Jesus says we're to keep teaching one another to obey everything he commanded, verse 20. And so this telling other followers of Jesus, it's about telling others who do follow Jesus already about who he is and what he's done and what he says they should do, what he teaches, and to never stop doing that. We need to keep hearing this, all of us. And so maybe God wants you to more regularly teach your children about who Jesus is and what he says. Maybe you could share at your growth group or with a friend over coffee about what God's been teaching you as a way to encourage them. And yet teaching people true information isn't enough. As Jesus says, where to teach his people to obey. And so being a disciple, it's a process, a process of listening to God's word and obeying it so that we become more like Jesus. We don't all have gifts of preaching or teaching. We should all have a ministry of encouragement. As our 5pm congregation heard recently from 1 Thessalonians 5, all Christians are told to encourage one another and build each other up. That's an important reason to come to church. It's an important reason for us to come to church weekly. And I hope you'll stay for morning tea and even for the percolated coffee that we're serving now. But stay not for that, but to encourage one another. So I ask, who does God want you to encourage and build up? Maybe it's actually not someone who's at church. Maybe it's someone, a friend you you notice who hasn't been at church in a while. And someone who actually needs you to get in touch with them and ask how they're going and encourage them to come. Maybe the one you can encourage is another fellow believer who's giving in to a particular sin and they need to be encouraged, even told that their selfishness, their short temper, whatever it is, needs to stop. Maybe you could encourage the person who's going through a hard time and you could call or visit and maybe with gentleness and hope and love, 
You could remind them that because Jesus is risen, we are headed to an unending life in an undying body. And pray for them. Pray that that suffering person would believe that the risen Lord Jesus is with them. And that's exactly where Matthew 28 finishes. That's where we finish. Jesus is the one who has conquered death for us. He's alive. He has all authority. He's worthy of our worship, our trust, our lives. And he says, tell others about me. I don't know about you, but I find that scary. It's scary. It's hard. And we know that we need help. And so how can we do this? Only because Jesus is with you to empower you and I to do it. Look at verse 20 again, please. And I ask, when is Jesus with you? It's always, always to the very end of the age. Jesus, by his spirit, is with you. He's in you to give you strength to live his way. You are not alone. Today we've heard that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And I finish with three quick questions. Firstly, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Or when you do, it'll change your life. Secondly, will you live this week and will you live your life in worship of him? And thirdly, lastly, who do you pray will come to believe this too, even as you tell them? Who will you pray for? If we truly believe that Jesus is risen and he gives life from the dead, we will act on it. Let's pray now that we will.